The following program is being brought to you on the Voice America Sports Channel. For more information about our network and to check out additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit voiceamericasports.com. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit voiceamerica.com. The views and ideas expressed on the following program are strictly those of the hosts or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by the Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management. Are you ready to talk sports with one of the leading sports journalists of today? Welcome to All Around Sports with John Inglesby. John's years of experience as a journalist has allowed him to net exclusive interviews with the top players, former players, commissioners, and owners. John and his guests are ready to give you the straight word when it comes to sports. Now, let's talk all around sports. Here's your host, John Inglesby. Voice America. Happy holidays and welcome to the 36th ever show of All Around Sports, live from Boston. Reach Friday at 1 p.m. Eastern Time, we will go all around the world of sports for one hour to discuss what happened this week and what's coming up for the weekend. To join the show, the call-in number is 1-888-346-9144, or you can email me at iir at comcast.net which comes to me through my website at www.iirsportsoneword.com. As always, it was another wild week in sports, and as usual, I will discuss the highlights, lowlights, and bizarre news items that dominated this past week's news. In just 15 minutes, we will welcome our weekly call-in guest, Barry Rubenstein of the New York Post. Additionally, my event of the week that I covered was the Boston Bruins practice this past Wednesday. So let's kick it off here, and my highlight of the week was the long-awaited debut of Showtime's A Game of Honor. As my listeners know, I have established a niche covering the intersection of sports and the military, where I have visited both West Point and Annapolis, and had the pleasure to get a peek behind the curtain of these legendary institutions. Yet this show took me and all who viewed it deeper and deeper into these iconic locations by going behind the scenes to tell the story of the best sports rivalry of them all, the Army-Navy game. Showtime delivered big time in capturing the true meaning of this American institution. My low light of the week is watching Boise State and TCU play in those second-tier bowl games the past two nights, uh, highlighting the overall light, light, low light of the bowl system in general. You know, it's obvious that these two teams are better than most of the bigger-name schools playing in bigger bowls, yet there they were again on the outside looking in this year. This, of course, shows how the current BCS-based bowl system is broken, since every bowl game many with truly laughable sponsor names, too many to even get into here, uh, is basically meaningless, uh, except for the last one, obviously the BCS National Championship game, which this year is uh, has its own issues since it's a rematch between LSU and Alabama. And, uh, you know, the, the way I look at the bowl system in every game except for, again, the last one, is that... Uh, 
the only outcome for all these bowl games is simply garnering a different ranking and you know which to me frankly is just meaningless whether a team finishes you know third or 13th or 23rd who cares you know it just really doesn't matter because uh you know your season may your team made a bowl and you know where you finish in the final rankings to me is if you're not the national champion then you know it really does not carry that much weight so uh that's my diatribe on the bowl system i'm not the first certainly not the last to weigh in on it these days and uh again hopefully someday in our lifetime there will be an actual uh actual bowl playoff system my bizarre sports story of the week is the colts last second win over the texans last night uh Pretty exciting game, by the way, given uh, uh, given the Colts' record. But I, it's bizarre to me on two fronts. First, it again blew up the theory that teams tank it to get a higher draft pick. And you see this week in, week out in the NFL every December. But obviously the stakes are higher. Uh, you know, if you step back, can you really imagine an NFL organization from the front office to the coaches, to the players, executing a, quote, plan to lose games on purpose and keeping it quiet? The answer is no, because it has never happened, nor do I ever think it's going to happen, particularly in the NFL. Second, I consider last night's game bizarre uh, because of all the airtime and print wasted talking about you know, the Peyton Manning, Andrew Luck scenario, complete with Dad Archie chiming in. And it may not even come to pass now since the Colts' victory uh, means they do not necessarily have the number one pick. Uh, the Vikings and the Rams are now suddenly in the hunt, uh, in the hunt used uh, in a weird way since it's in the hunt for the worst record. Uh, but my understanding is if the Colts win Lose. See? See how screwed up you get? If the Colts lose next week in Jacksonville, they get it no matter what. Um, so, again, should be interesting to watch. And, uh, and you know, we'll all keep our eye on it. Uh, I would think if the Vikings win it, they absolutely automatically grab Andrew Luck. I would think if the Rams win it, uh, or should I say lose it, um, they would not draft Andrew Luck since they already have Sam Bradford and would then be in the all-time awesome position for trading the number one pick. I'm guessing they'd get a couple of number ones or, or some household names, uh, pro bowler types uh, for that pick. And now uh, we're going to move into a little hockey, which is uh, appropriate given that uh, just Wednesday night was the uh, another show for HBO's uh, spectacular 24/7 Rangers Flyers series, uh, which is the behind-the-scenes look at the two teams as they prepare for the NHL's Winter Classic on New Year's Day at the Philly Citizens Ballpark. You know, absent last year's production, which featured superstar Sidney Crosby and Alexander Ovechkin, HBO has still managed to provide a fascinating insight into the lives of NHL hockey players. 
So, again, speaking of NHL, my event of the week was that I covered uh, the Boston Bruins practice uh, this past Wednesday. And after a Stanley Cup hangover, uh, leading to a very slow start, the Bruins, where they were actually in last place uh, early in the season, the Bruins completed their long climb back to first place this week with an epic run since early November, where they've won 19 of 22 games, including winning the last five in a row, most recent being Monday night uh, against the Canadians. It's well known in media circles that hockey players are by far the best professional athletes to deal with. And my visit to the Bruins practice facility in their locker room reinforced that perception in spades. Uh, the crisp and intense 40-minute practice was at a high school-sized rink outside Boston and open to the public, uh, and a great take where you could walk right up to the glass to see the bees up close and personal. So after practice, it was on to the locker room for interviews. And despite the small space, again, given the size of the rink, you know, the affable and accommodating Bruins made it as comfortable a locker room setting as I have ever been in, and I've been in hundreds for all sports at all levels. Well, there I, of course, collected a few sound bites uh, from the champs, starting with last season's leading scorer in the NHL postseason, David Krejci, who just signed a new contract with the Bruins. How did you feel about signing your new recent contract? Congratulations, by the way. Thanks. Well, yeah. Uh, you know, I've been here, this is my fifth year as a Bruin, and, um, you know, I like everything about this, this place. I like the city. I like... Uh, I like the team, I like my teammates, uh, organization's been great to me and uh, we won the cup last year and uh, and uh, it's so much fun to to win, you know, to be on the winning team. So uh, that was the main reason why I uh, wanted to sign here and uh, I was really happy that uh, uh, Peter Chiarelli got the Got a deal done with my agent. Terrific, and after a bit of a slow start, some would call it the Stanley Cup hangover. You guys, the Bruins, have been on an amazing run since November 1. You're now in first place as of this week, and uh, what are your thoughts on the last uh, last six last six weeks? I think we've been playing pretty, pretty good hockey. Uh, I guess you can say that we had a Stanley Cup hangover at the beginning of the year. You know, we were doing so many things. Uh, uh, of the ice uh, because of the cup, you know, and uh, maybe they took our mind off the hockey a little bit. But uh, when the November came, you know, it was all done, and we were we were able to fo uh, focus only on hockey. And uh, you know, you could see the the result. You know, I think we were pretty pretty good in November, and so far so good in December. <laughs> and how do you think the team is shaping up uh, moving forward now that you are? In first place, and, uh, and what do you see out on the horizon? Well, yeah, you know, we have to take a step by step, game by game, and uh, that's what uh, that's why we were so successful in the last six weeks. You know, we don't look too much ahead. We know uh, we know what it takes to go in the Stanley Cup final. So uh, uh, we just want to take game by game and uh, go from there. Well, as you can hear, David Krejci is uh, you know good interview, nice guy. I had watched David. Uh, playing a pro-am at the Deutsche Bank Championship back in August up here in the Boston area. And uh, so I'm hit a couple 300-yard-plus drives, so he's an excellent golfer. And then uh, talked to him at Media Day for the Bruins back in October. We talked a little golf along with some hockey. 
and then had a chance to catch up with him again uh, two days ago uh, at practice. And there were some other Bruins in the locker room, of course, and the uh, MVP of last year's finals, uh, Stanley postseason, uh, the Vesna Trophy, the Conn Smythe, all of it. Uh, Tim Thomas, the goalie, uh, had this to say when talking about a recent game against Columbus. A ton of time. We had a whole three days off after yeah. after playing a whole bunch of games and traveling and uh, you know every other day and stuff. So it's it's not like this is such a long break that there's really anything to worry about. It's just uh, you know it's a couple of days here at Christmas time. Um, everybody's got the Christmas time responsibilities, which take up a little bit of extra time. So um, you know I think uh, coaches do a good job of keeping this. Uh, you know, a good, uh, about a 40-minute practice, which is probably about what we needed. And one of the Bruins' uh, most interesting players is Brad Marchand, who, uh, feisty, feisty player, uh, kind of player that every single team, championship team, needs. And uh, he came out of nowhere last year to score 20-plus goals and was immense in the playoffs. Uh, and, of course, uh you know, his his play during the finals and throughout the postseason was simply spectacular. So here's uh, Brad Marshawn talking about learning from the veterans. He is, and, and uh, every day is a learning process for um, all the young guys. And, and you know, you kind of look to older guys who've been around for a while, and you know, guys like Bergier, Thornier, um, you know, like uh, um, Z, guys who've been around for a while. You kind of look to them that. I kind of lead the way and learn from, but uh, I'm still learning from, from them every day as well. And next we have the best defenseman in the National Hockey League, Zdeno Chara, who at 6'9 is immense, I must say. I've been in Patriots and Celtics locker rooms uh, even within the past two, three weeks, and I don't know if I've ever seen a bigger man, or should I say if I've ever felt smaller than I did standing beside Zdeno Chara on Wednesday. He is just gigantic, big framed guy, nice guy like the rest of them, and here's what uh, Chara had to say about their Bruins penalty kill. Since, you know, I've been here, it's been always, you know, one of the um, identity of these teams who kill the penalties and, and uh, uh, work extremely hard, you know, hard work in the PP um, on the other side, and so... And finally, we have Coach Claude Julien, who was uh, literally a Game 7 overtime goal against the Canadians in, uh, early in the Stanley Cup run last year from potentially being fired, according to many, many observers. Uh, but the Bruins scored the overtime goal in Game 7 and went on to win the Stanley Cup, and Julien has become just simply... A different guy, I'll call him, uh, as we like to say up here, Belichickian. He is firmly in command now of the Bruins, and here's what he had to say about uh, playing during the holidays. Every year, you know, you like to finish on a positive note, so they head into Christmas and probably enjoy it a little bit more. So uh, every team, I'm sure, thinks that the same way. So we, uh, on our end of it, we have no excuse. We've had some uh, time off here and uh, from playing and uh Hopefully we'll be the pressure team of the two when, when uh, that game comes around. 
And there you have it, uh, Coach Claude Julian. And I don't know if I can remember a coach going from literally the brink of being let go to being, again, just the man in charge making, you know, bold and correct decisions here to uh, lift this team from early season doldrums into first place in literally the span of the last seven weeks. And, uh, you know, it's just terrific to see. So once again, great to catch up with the Bruins. Uh, they are looking spectacular and uh, it's going to be great to watch them as they poise themselves for, you know, potentially uh, a second cup in a row. So now as my former co-host Lemont Williams from outside the huddle likes to say, it's time to pay some bills. So let's take our break. Your internet flagship station for sports, Voice America Sports. Okay, sports fans, here's your opportunity to discuss football, America's favorite sport. On an annual basis, millions of people attend, watch, and listen to football, both pro and college. Ray Ellis Sports, an internet talk radio show, was developed with the fan in mind. Join host, former Philadelphia Eagles and Cleveland Browns strong safety, Ray Ellis, on Voice America Sports every Tuesday at 1 p.m. Pacific for exciting, interactive football discussions from the fans' perspective. Tune in every Tuesday at 1 p.m. Pacific to Ray Ellis Sports right here on the Voice American Network and let's talk football. Have we got a high-energy, all-access sports show for you? It's Outside the Huddle, starring Lemond Williams. Each week, join Lemond as he takes callers, discusses the week's top stories in the world of sports, and sits down with active and former players to discuss their transition from sports to business. Outside the Huddle is a great resource for players making career transitions both on and off the field. Tune in Wednesdays at 8 p.m. Eastern, 7 Central, and 5 Pacific. For Outside the Huddle on the Voice America Sports Channel. Your internet flagship station for sports, Voice America Sports. You're listening to All Around Sports with your host, John Inglesby. Become a part of today's show by calling 1 888 346 9144. That's 1-888-346-9144. Or by sending an email to iir at comcast.net. Now, back to the show. Voice America, welcome back to segment two of All Around Sports. And to join the show, the call-in number is 1-888-346-9144. Or you can email me at iir at comcast.net. And it's that time of the show when we often have guests join us. And today, we have our weekly call-in expert, Barry Rubenstein from the New York Post, joining us a little earlier than usual. And Barry, how are you today? I'm doing terrific, John. How are you? I do have one question for you, though. Is, is, the, word, uh, is the word that Belichickian been trademarked? Are you aware of? <laughs> yeah, tra- trademarked like 19-0 in 2007 with the Patriots, right? <laughs> uh-huh. Yeah, that's, uh, that's a good one, though, but uh, it, it's very understandable, though. Oh, yeah, Belichickian. Uh, yeah, it's been good. I, I've heard it. I, I can't take credit. Uh, I've heard it here and there through the years. And, uh, you know, why don't we just start off with a little hockey, uh, as you just heard, you know. Went to the Bruins practice, which was great. And Claude Julian, again, I think he's just... Uh, 
you know, made a quantum leap this year, uh, you know, with the Stanley Cup in hand. And I know you're a hockey guy. Uh, don't, isn't it just a joy to cover hockey and, and deal with these players and, for that matter, the entire organization, media relations, front office, what have you? Uh, they're just terrific to deal with. Well, yeah, I've, I've always I've always said this to people. You know, I, I uh, covered hockey you know, earlier in my career. Covered hockey for ten years. Covered the Rangers and the Devils, and I, I can honestly say that um, you know both they were then and, and they still are now. They're the most of all the major sports hockey players are the most normal, down to earth athletes that you'll meet. And, and a, a, a funny story I can tell you real quick. Um, back in the day when I was covering the Devils. Uh, they used to uh, invite the media to their animal Christmas party, um, and you, know, you would you would get to you know and have a little something to eat and just kind of kind of just say everybody. And I, I brought my wife to to the party, and um, you know I was and, I, and I, I, then we were chatting with with with, with someone there, and uh, well you know we were then it was one of the play, and you'll remember the player was uh, Doug Brown, uh, he used to play for the Devils. Yes. Yeah, sure. And uh, he's uh, and uh, you know really, you know, really, really nice, fun guy. We're chatting with uh, my wife and I, and chatting with. Uh, he walked away, and my wife Karen says to me, "What paper does he write for?" I didn't know how to put the players. <laughs> <laughs> so that just goes to show you. I mean, that you you probably never make that mistake with anyone in the NBA or the um, or uh, or Major League Baseball. That's for sure. But yeah, hockey players are great, and the organizations are great, and. Uh, yeah, it is, it is a joy to cover, and it, and it still is too. And you can see a lot of that too if you, if, if you or any of our listeners have caught the. Uh, have you caught any of the twenty four seven Flyers Rangers on HBO? Oh, I, that's how I began my segment uh, transitioning into my covering the Bruins practice. Uh, okay. Loved it. I've watched every minute this year and every minute of every minute of the entire series through the past couple of years, and uh, you know. If you can handle the language, you gotta love it, and right, I, and I, you know, the language is—it's real. <laughs> yes, it is. It's, it's yeah, it's a, it's a little salty, but yeah. But yeah. I, I think I think the the great thing about it is you really get to get to feel like you get to know these guys a little bit, and I guess I guess that's the whole point of it, leading up to the Winter Classic, where that should be a lot of fun. And you know, certainly the Flyers and Rangers are, um, as the Bruins are, kind of uh, you know, uh, you know, playing at that at the level people would expect and people would hope. Uh, I'm sure NBC is thrilled. You, know, you might have the, the, the top two teams in the Eastern Conference record-wise going to that Winter Classic. So, uh, so yeah, that should be a lot of fun. And that, that's you know, as, as it was at, uh, at Fenway a year ago. I mean, this, this should be a lot of fun down in uh, down in uh, down in Philly. I would love to see play Yankee Stadium, but I think there's, I think the issue there is that they play the Pinstripe Bowl now. Um, the, the college football game, I believe, Rutgers is playing this year. Uh, in that game, and I, I think there just isn't enough time to uh, to transition the stadium over. It, just, it takes quite some time to uh, build the stands and make the transition uh, to a hockey rink. So I think that would be the issue there. But I, I would love to see that game play at Yankee Stadium sometime. Oh, me too. I, I, I'm glad you you touched on that because I've often thought about it. But it makes perfect sense with the uh, Pinstripe Bowl, which I believe is it's in its second year and. Uh, right. Yeah, but it's it's great to get your perspective on, you know, again, covering hockey. And it's not that, you know, I mean, I, I cover, you know, the Patriots and the Celtics on a regular basis, and they're fabulous. So this is in no way to insinuate that, you know, they're anything less than terrific. It's just that hockey players, there's just something about them that, you know, give it, that they're 
makes you just feel comfortable again. As I said, uh, this locker room at this suburban facility was really small, yet, you know, and this is the first time I've covered a Bruins practice. I've been to media day and many games over the years, and uh, again, it was just so comfortable, uh, given, especially given the size of the room. And, you know, all the Bruins players are like, I mean, I'm not a beat reporter, so uh, I was not a recognizable face yet. They were all just saying hello and things like that as they walked by. And uh, and David Krejci showed what he's all about uh, when I went up to ask him if he had a moment to answer a few questions and started to mention, you know, that we had met Media Day and about the golfing conversation and you know, before I could even begin to get that out, he just instantly remembered me and started talking. You know, it's just, again, it's all very just sort of easygoing. It all flows very nicely. And uh, and then just watching, by the way, you know, the, the team interact with each other, again, on that sort of hard knocks, the way they just, uh, you know, kid each other and, and whatnot is, is just... You know, it's great stuff. It really is. Yeah. I mean, you, you know, when you're there, you, you just know. You can see it in their eyes. You can see it in their body language. This is a group that clearly enjoys being together. No question. And, boy, I think the the rest of the NHL better take note because they, they, they look like they're really uh, a close-knit group from uh, from my observances. Yeah, I mean, you know, certainly they, they, they appear that way. You know, certainly you know, for, from my perspective. Um, you know, obviously, uh, repeat, repeating in any sport is a very difficult thing to do. You, know, you do have a target on your back uh, when you're in that situation. But yeah, you know, as far as um, you know, and again, I've, I've covered the NBA as well, and I've had you know good experiences with that. But uh, it comes to just you know being accessible, being down to earth. Uh, uh, I, I think hockey players are really a special breed. And I think a lot of that is because you know how these guys come from small Canadian towns or. You know, really, uh, very blue collar backgrounds, um, a lot of these guys and the Europeans, of course. And the big difference between, you know, guys who come up through the, through, through hockey versus baseball and football and, and, and basketball. Baseball has the, has the money part and the entitlement part. F- uh, football and basketball, you know, you have guys coming up, many of them through major college programs, which are, you know, which are operated like the NBA and AHL anyway. So, you know, you, you, you have that. So these guys are used to being, you know, on a big stage and, 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 and you know, being held up on pedestals, what have you. Hockey players are a little bit, bit different that way. They're a little, they're, they don't have to, those silver spoon kind of mentality. So, you know, I think that's one reason why you know, they're very personable for, as a group uh, on the whole, very personable, very approachable. They really are. And, uh, you know, you covered it for 10 years, so I, I, I don't have to tell you. And, uh and, you know, the way the Bruins handled the Stanley Cup, you know, was just, I mean, my favorite story of them all is, you know, obviously they win in Vancouver, as we all remember, <laughs> riots aside. Right. You know, they fly, they fly all night, they land in Boston sometime that morning. And, you know, as just living here, you started to see some things around the noon news where they were, like, going to shave off their playoff beards at the local barber in the north end of Boston, the Italian section, Things like that. And, you know, so it was like the buzz started to build. And then uh, the best of them all was, you know, there's an outdoor patio bar, very popular, very well known up near Faneuil Hall here in Boston. And turned on the local news at like five o'clock that night. And basically the entire Bruins team was sitting there outside with the Stanley Cup just sitting on a table 
all just, you know, hanging out, partying with the Stanley Cup, and it was completely wide open for anybody walking by to, like, just stop by, join in, which, every, which obviously people did. And it was like a beautiful, you know, 80-degree June night, and it was just a spectacular, spectacular scene, as you can well imagine. I mean, it was literally... The, the Bruins had had the cup in their possession at that point, something that sounds like 18 hours. And uh, so, yeah, I, I mean, from that moment on, that's when I said, wow, not only are hockey players different, which I've known for years, but this group is different. And most importantly, serious talent there, real serious talent. Yeah, I would, I would agree with that totally. And, you know, I think one of the things, too, um, you know, that makes the, make the Stanley Cup experience uh, special, too. And I guess, you know, our, our listeners who are hockey fans will probably know this, but, you know, every play, you know, when, it, when a team wins the Stanley Cup, every player on the team gets, gets, the cup, gets to bring the cup back to their hometown and, and has the cup all to themselves. And they can do whatever they like. They can go wherever they want with it, you know, and, they, you know, as long as it's, it's as safe and as long as it's within their possession. And, you know, there's always, there's always great stories uh, involved in that, too, you know, through the years, what, it, what, it, what have happened and, Different places the cup's gone, where it's popped up, and uh, you know, so that, that, that that's a, a, a fun tradition that goes along with the Stanley Cup. I think the history and the tradition of, of hockey kind of lend itself to the, the, those sort of stories that kind of kind of become parts of our uh, parts of our sports lore. So that makes it fun as well, I think. Oh, absolutely! And then there's, of course, you know, now famous from the commercials, but you know, the keepers of the cup, if you will, the guys who work for the NHL. And I've seen some, you know, shows about these people or news reports or features. And, uh, you know, as we all know, the, you know, they wear the white gloves and, uh, you know, they travel around with the cup. So yeah, no matter where the cup in, goes. Yeah, those guys are in commercials now. They're quasi-celebrities. Right. So, so even they're getting in on the act, too. That's great. That's great. And, you know, I've heard one, one of them interviewed. I think the guy from the commercial was interviewed. Right. Um, and boy, he was on local radio and he was just great, you know, with great stories without revealing too much, but you know, he, he's in the town where the cup ends up with these players. So, you know, he may, he's in a hotel room or whatever. And, uh, you know, so he, he's, there, there's never, uh, the cup is never too far from the Stanley cup keepers, if you will. And, uh, yeah, the, the whole thing, again, you know, it's just really, really cool. And we're coming up against our break, but I do want to ask you one more serious question, which is, you know, the concussion thing in the NFL, and the, excuse me, the NFL has issues with it, but specifically now in the NHL with, you know, between Chris Pronger now being out for the season, of course, the, the 24-7 HBO special highlighted Claude Giroux, who was basically hit in the head with the knee from his own player, sort of skating by. My take is, quickly, the speed and the size is now just so incredible that, you know, it's it's jumped up a level. Yeah, I would agree with that. And, you know, and I, I think, you know, especially in the Drew situation, and, you know, and, and those of our listeners who watch 24-7 know exactly what we're talking about. He was, uh, he was making a check, he fell, and one of his own players, I believe it was Wayne Simmons, tried to get out of his way, inadvertently hit him in the head with his knee, and that's how he got hurt. And, you know, it's just a freak accident. But, you know, I, I think there's a, they may have to really think real hard about maybe come up with a new kind of helmet, maybe a more of a football helmet type of protection. 
Um, you know, because they're going to have to do something because it's become a real problem. And, you know, these guys just, the game has just, it's just become, you can really, you can really see the difference. I know we're going up against our break. You know, maybe we can kind of bridge this into our next segment, but real quick, um, you know, if you watch films of any sport, really, uh, now versus 20 years ago, the game is so much faster now. The guys are so much bigger and you're playing on the same surface. The, the size of the arena has not changed, but the guys are so much faster, so much bigger, so much stronger. It's almost inevitable that these guys are going to get hurt. So you, I, I think the equipment may need a major upgrade here, especially when you get into a situation like Drews, which was a complete accident. It's not like that was a head hunting incident. You know, I got hurt by his own teammate. It was, it was an accident, but you know, I, I think, uh, the next step might have to come up with some sort of maybe football helmet type of style that will protect these guys better. I, I think that's what you're going to say. Yeah, and just to close out this segment uh, real quickly, I mean, obviously, Sidney Crosby, uh, you know, after being out for almost a year or whatever, uh, come in, play a game or two, and, you know, now he's out again with, you know, concussion uh, symptoms, if you will, and... Uh, and I found myself as, you know, thinking a lot about, you know, Eric Lindros, uh, the famed, you know, I mean, he was going to be right there with Gretzky, Lemieux, and Crosby. I mean, he was the guy. Yeah, he was. Forget that. He was the man uh, when he played for, you know, the Quebec Nordiques. I mean, you know, he a number one pick that comes along once a decade. He was that guy a couple of decades ago, and his career obviously never even got off the ground. He was a big guy, too, and... Uh, Geez, I, I again, I, I just all of a sudden found myself. That's the career that never even got underway. Where Crosby is the career that uh, has obviously gotten uh, been spectacular. And again, you know, we'll just wait and see. But you know, I, I've, I'm, I'm hoping the the lords of the NHL are really, really focusing on this issue. And with that said, uh, time for our break and. Uh, Coming on the other side, Barry's going to stick with us, and we're going to talk a little NFL. Your internet flagship station for sports. Voice America Sports. The revolution has begun with Jim and Trav. Listen this week as Randall Eaton, Shannon Young, Josh Fleming, and Joe Hosmer tell us why it's important to get our kids in the outdoors. Plus, Cat Daddy will have some catfishy tips, and Nick Rhodes has a new twist on wildlife management you'll want to hear. This is sponsored by Ram Trucks at RamTrucks.com. Wednesdays at 1 Pacific on the Voice America Sports Channel. I'm Jim Ferguson. I'll see you on the trail. Kevin Lewis has been a student of the game his entire life, from Little League to the NFL. Tune in Wednesdays at 10 a.m. Pacific, 1 p.m. Eastern, right here on Voice America Sports. Hustling with K. Lewis. It's not where you start, it's how you finish. Your internet flagship station for sports, Voice America Sports. You're listening to All Around Sports with your host, John Inglesby. Become a part of today's show by calling 1-888-346-9144. That's 1-888-346-9144. Or by sending an email to iir at comcast.net. Now, back to the show. Voice America, welcome back to segment three of All Around Sports. And to join the show, the call-in number is one 888 
346-9144, or you can email me at iir at comcast.net. And still with us on the line now is our weekly call-in expert, Barry Rubenstein from the New York Post. And Barry, I'm doing something tomorrow I've never done in my life, which is I'm Watch going to... You're going to an NFL game on Christmas Day? Christmas, Christmas Eve. Eve Christmas Eve, Christmas rather, Eve. Yes. Never been to one on Christmas Day either. And uh, I don't know if I'd say it was on my bucket list, uh, but I will say this, you know, early on, right when they released the schedule, I kind of looked at it uh, and thought, that might be fun, going to, uh, again, an NFL game on Christmas Eve, in this case, at 1 o'clock, you know, nice and close to my house. And uh, I'm excited. It's a big game. You, you know, it's the Dolphins who are playing well, but more importantly, uh, it's the game where the Patriots can, obviously, take one of hopefully a final two steps where uh, that could mean the AFC road to the Super Bowl goes through Foxborough. So I think it's going to be a lot of excitement tomorrow. Yeah, it should, it should be all around the league, too. And I think that oh, yeah. the, great part, the great part of that for that game, for sure, uh, that you'll, you'll be able to watch the game and still get home to enjoy you know, Christmas Eve with your family. So that's tremendous. You know, so you can kind of get the both, best of both worlds there. So that'll, that'll be good. Um, you know, obviously, uh, in New York, and I'm sure this is where this was going to go anyway. But, uh, yeah, it's a big game for the Patriots, for, for, for sure. But, uh, you know, in New York, all the talk is Jets-Giants. And uh, this is clearly... Meaningful Jets Giants regular season games since the merge. Um, you know, it's funny they've they've met a, a bunch of times. I think eleven times over the years, and never has there been a situation where they met with both when both teams had winning records. There was one year where the Jets actually knocked the Giants out of the playoffs. I was back in '88, I believe. Um, but uh, yeah, this is this is by far the biggest uh, regular season meeting between the two teams, and uh, you know, I believe that game will be. Uh, uh, televised on Fox uh, in the New England area, also in New York, of course. So um, a lot of eyes on that game for sure. Oh, it's definitely the game of the day, no question. Uh, you know, I've been loving it, a lot of nice action. I mean, Rex Ryan kicked it off early in the week with a little bit of, uh, you know, trash talk, and now it's escalated between some Giants receivers and Darrell Rivas. And, uh, you know, they both are, quote, equal tenants in the new MetLife Stadium. And, uh I just think it's you know going to be fantastic. I mean, basically, loser is, if not out of the playoffs, just about out of the playoffs, and the winner is still, uh, you know, uh, in in a bit of a long shot situation, but um, you know, certainly in a whole lot better shape than the loser. It's a huge game. It's it's you know the battle for New York, and uh, you know both teams have been so. Impossible to figure out is the only word, both of them. And I, I guess everybody's hoping that tomorrow's the day we find out, you know, which is the contender, if there is, if, if you can use that word, but certainly which one is the pretender. Right. Well, well certainly, well, number one, don't ask me to figure it out because I have no clue either. I mean, nobody really knows. I mean, you never know what either of these teams are going to do week to week. But it's, uh, the, the only consistent for both of these teams is their inconsistency, and that's been... And that's been the script all season long for both teams. And I mean, you know, uh, I think, you know, you know, Rex getting the ball rolling with, with talking about, you know, he's, 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 you know, never wanted to be you know, Giants little brother and we were better than the Giants and stuff. A lot of that is done as, as kind of a, a, kind of a ploy, not so much to dig at the Giants, but to take 
the pressure off his players and put it on himself. He's very good at doing that, and that's that's his mo. He's always done that, and that's not going to change. Um, you know, you have you know people on the Giants side, you know, yapping a little bit too. Uh, you know, and troll roll. You know, kind of famously now uh, after last week, you know, or actually before last week's game against the Redskins, and the Giants were a better team. The Redskins would beat them ninety nine out of hundred times. Well, the Redskins. Swept both games from the Giants, so you know Redskins were left saying, "Well, I guess that's that, that's you know, ninety-eight times now." And when questioned about it, Roll just, "Well, you know, at the end of the day, I do the same thing all over again. I think we're still the better team." But you know, you, you've got some people in the Giants that are that are yapping a lot too. So um, it's going to be very emotional. Um, obviously, you know, you have the whole bragging right thing, but it goes way beyond that because, as we've said already, I mean, this is this is the both teams. Are playing for the playoff lives, so it's essentially a playoff game for both teams. So when you have the the, the quote battle of New York, uh, that's just a, really a sidebar, I think, to the fact that this is that it's really a playoff game for both teams. The, the winning team has has it still has has destiny in their control, and the losing team is, if not dead in the water, is going to need a lot, lot, lot of help. So you know, a victory would go a long way. Certainly for the Giants, if they win this game, then if they beat the Cowboys next week, which is going to be another terrific game, I'm sure, they will win the NFC East. And, and the Jets are still in a position where they, they control their own playoff destiny as well. So it, it's, it's going to be fun. Uh, it should be a good game. I can't really see it being a blowout either way. I think it's going to be a very good game, and uh, we'll, we'll see where it falls. I mean, I think the, you know, the Jets have some issues, certainly on the offensive line. They, 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 they haven't been very good this year. Uh, Sanchez has been kind of spotty this year. You know, defensively, the Jets are pretty good. Uh, the Giants, obviously, Eli Manning is having a career season. Uh, you know, would have won some of these games that, that they lost. I think we'd hear Eli in the MVP conversation. He's had that good a year. Um, defensively, they've struggled. They really they have not lived up to uh, Giants defenses of the past. Um, you know, they've had some locker room issues. They've had some chemistry issues. Um, you know, I, I think there's some problems in that in that locker room. But you know, a, a lot winning solves a lot of ills. And we, you know, as as Doc Rivers once famously said, you know, when you win, you're a genius. When you lose, you're a moron. So you know, it, it all it all goes back to just performing. And you know, that that's going to be the difference. You know, which team is going to perform better? Which team is going to be more focused? Which team is not going to let emotions get the better of them? You know, yeah, it'll be strange for the Giants. We had on the field going to the opposite sideline at MetLife Stadium, listening to the JETS chance. It's going to be very different. Um, you know, the Jets are a very good home team. The Giants are actually a better road team than they are at home. But you know, will they play a game as if they're playing at home, even though there's a road team? It's, it's, it's going to be, it's going to be, it's going to be fun. It's going to be very interesting, and, uh, and we'll see how we'll see how it pans out. It, all I know that's going to be entertaining. It's going to be a lot of fun. I, I'm looking forward to being able to watch it. So it's a Jets home game, meaning Fireman Ed will be there, and it will be That's a correct. Jets-dominated stadium because the Jets season ticket holders were the ones able to get get the seats. Although, correct? although there are although there are a lot of tickets available on stuff actually, and and really? the secondary and the secondary market. So I think if people and you know the fact that it is Christmas Eve, you know there are tickets available, if, and if, if people really want to go. So there'll be some giant, and we'll be all Jets fans. There'll be some Giants fans there, but yes, predominantly Jets fans. It is a Jets home game, absolutely, and uh, you know, so yes, for sure. But uh, there'll be a few Giant fans there, so we'll, we'll we'll see how it goes. 
It'll be fun. And, and Barry, I've got to I've got to ask you. I'm guessing it makes for an interesting week in the New York Post newsroom. Since, correct me if I'm wrong, you have Jets beat writers and Giants beat writers working in the same room. Would that mm-hmm. be correct? Yes, that would uh, be correct. So yeah, so I imagine this has been uh, a pretty fascinating week to work for you. Yeah, I mean it's 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 uh, it's it's been it's been interesting. You know, you you uh, you know from a newspaper point of view, it's like, well, you know, how do you how do you cover it? You know, because you're right. you're covering both teams. You have you have all your football writers. You know, normally you have your normally covering two games a week. You know, the Giants and whoever they play, the Jets whoever they play. You know, one game's at one o'clock. One game's at 4 o'clock, or 8.20 is the case would be, and you never have a situation where the two teams are playing at the same time. Because, you know, when you're outside the New York area, you might not be aware of this, but the Jets and Giants, at the same time, one of their games is always on PBS, or the other game is always on Fox. That's just the way it works. Schedule um, is such where uh, the teams play at different times. Um, They'll be home on the same week as if one is planned to stay on Sunday, the other is on Monday night. Um, so, you know, because of course they share the same stadium. So there's a lot of little logistic things that, that have to be planned when you talk about Giants versus Jets. But, uh, this is one of the very rare times where they're playing at the same time, obviously, because they're playing each other. Uh, the whole, the whole city and most, a lot of the country will be watching. It'll be real interesting to see what the, what the TV ratings are for that game. I'm sure they'll be through the roof. So it's, it's going to be a lot of fun. Well, I'm thinking Midnight Mass uh, is going to be a little more populated than usual, given uh, given that you know a lot of people like to go to sort of that early evening service, whatever de- uh, religious denomination people may be. But uh, you know, in New York, nobody's going to want to miss the four o'clock. That's for sure. So I think it's going to alter a few schedules, uh, to say the least. And I think it's just going to be. You know, fascinating. I mean, I'll, I'll say this one segment ahead of time than usual. Uh, it is obviously my pick of the weekend for appointment viewing, and uh, it's just going to be great. But, you know, Barry, we're, we're bumping up against our break, and, you know, we've only covered two of the numerous. It seems like every game practically is meaningful for one, if not both, of the teams playing each other throughout the weekend, uh, which is, again, Christmas Eve, it's going to be tough to, uh, you know, to fit Christmas in around the NFL this weekend, unfortunately. And uh, but you, you know, so when we come back, let's take our break now. But when we come back, we're going to focus on some of the other, again, marquee and meaningful games in the NFL this weekend. internet flagship station for sports voice america sports the job of a professional athlete is never complete in life after the game host lamar campbell will take an inside look at how athletes are making the transition from the professional athletics world to the professional business world you'll understand the goals motivations and personalities that drive these players off the field and in their post-professional career tune in to life after the game with lamar campbell every monday at 6 p.m eastern time 3 p.m pacific time on the voice america sports channel 
We're making it easier to listen to the Voice America Talk Radio Network wherever you go. In addition to listening live, you can check out information about your favorite talk show hosts, discover new talk show personalities, add shows to your list of favorites, and listen to all our show archives on demand. All from your iPhone, BlackBerry, or Android. Download it from the Apple App Store, BlackBerry App World, or Android Market, and get ready to tune in. The Voice America mobile app, powered by Aircast. Your internet flagship station for sports, Voice America Sports. You're listening to All Around Sports with your host, John Inglesby. Become a part of today's show by calling 1-888-346-9144. That's 1-888-346-9144. Or by sending an email to iir at comcast.net. Now, back to the show. Voice America, welcome back to the fourth and final segment of All Around Sports. And back on the line, still with us, is Barry Rubenstein from the New York Post. And let me first correct something I said at the end of the previous segment, which was Giants-Jets game, I thought, was at 4 p.m. It is not. It is at 1 p.m. Eastern time. And I think uh, what I had in my head was what I consider the second biggest game of the weekend, which is at 4 o'clock, which is the Philadelphia Eagles at the Dallas Cowboys uh, direct relationship with the Giants game, obviously, and outcome. And uh, Barry, that, that should just be a great game. Uh, you know, the Cowboys look good in beating up on the Bucks last Saturday night. And uh, the Eagles right now look like the team we thought they were going to be. And they're finally starting to show it. And I think I'm safe in saying there's no NFC team that, uh, that I would consider more dangerous if they win their last two t- two games and get in the playoffs than the Philadelphia Eagles. Yeah, I would I would agree, and it, it's it is stunning that considering where the Eagles have come from. I mean, obviously the the uh, the thoughts before the season, you know, all the talk about the dream team, and you know there were a lot of people uh, people around the league snickering as the Eagles, you know, got off that very slow start, but start, but they've righted the ship. Uh, they've been playing really well, and it is pretty amazing that they can still win the NFC East. If the Eagles beat the Cowboys, they win the last two games, um, they'll, they'll be in. You know, if, 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 they, if, they, if, they, if they beat the Cowboys this week and then the Giants beat the Cowboys next week, the Eagles will win the NFC East. So basically you have, you know, it's kind of a um, you know, musical chairs scenario. You have three teams fighting for one spot. You know, the Giants, Eagles, Cowboys, uh, NFC East can still go to any one of the three. So it's, it's going to be... Uh, it's going to be exciting, you know. Certainly, by the time the Eagles and Cowboys take the field, they'll know what the Giants have done because uh, that game will be over. So, uh, you know, the picture is going to be a lot clearer, a little bit clearer at four fifteen. What each of these teams are going to have to do, and uh, you know, the game is in Dallas. Uh, you know, it's uh, you know Jerry Jones's masterpiece. So it'll be it'll be fun. It'll be that'll be another great game to watch. Um, looking forward to that one as well. Hopefully. Hopefully, Giant fans will be in the mood to watch that. If the Giants lose on lose the Jets, I don't see them. I don't know. Maybe Eagles, Cowboys probably won't really care very much. But uh, in the big things, as far as who's going to win the division, yeah, it's it's absolutely huge. They need uh, the Eagles need need the, need the Giants to lose. And, you make uh, a good point. Right. Yes. If the yeah. Giants lose, uh, yeah, uh, uh, that could determine who, what time people start to uh, kick off their Christmas Eve. 
uh, exactly. based on Giants Jets, at least around the you know New York City area, and uh, you know a couple other. Again, there. It seems like most are, are, of the games are just all interesting. Uh, one game that I find uh, intriguing tomorrow is uh, San Diego at Detroit. And San Diego, I said earlier that the Eagles are the NFC team to most be feared if they get in the playoffs. In my mind, the team to most be feared would be the San Diego Chargers, who are at best a long shot. Frankly, they're doing too much, but too late, and uh, as, as they often do, uh, it seems, with their season. But right now, after watching them just kill the Baltimore Ravens uh, last Sunday night, uh, and this had been building for a couple weeks prior to that game, uh, you know, they're getting what I like to call that Super Bowl look. Again, I don't think it's going to matter, but, you know, I watched them up here in the AFC Championship game in 2007, the Patriots perfect regular season when Philip Rivers played one week after getting ACL surgery. And uh, so they have experience. They have a lot of playoff experience, most of it very disappointing. They've never even been to a Super Bowl. Uh, so, again, you know, that, that to me instantly disqualifies them from being ever considered a great team. But, you know, and then we have the Detroit Lions in, in so many ways – you know, the story of the year. They're looking good for the playoffs. They're they're not there yet, but I think if they win tomorrow, they will be there. So, uh, so yeah, just, again, fascinating matchup um, with the Chargers going into Detroit. So I think that's going to be uh, a fun one to watch. Yeah, I would agree with that one, and that, that, that's going to be a fun game. I think um, uh, Bears-Packers will be intriguing. I think this would have been a lot more intriguing had the Packers won last week to uh, continue that their perfect season, which of course is gone, but that's uh, you know I, I think that's the game that a lot of people would have would have looked at uh, as the game of the week uh, if the Packers were still undefeated. You know, you imagine the Bears going into Green Bay with a chance to uh, take out their their arch enemies, the Packers. That that would have been a, a fun game to watch. I think uh, you know, certainly uh, you have uh, Saints Falcons, which should be fun. Um, you know, you've got the um, you got the Raiders and Chiefs. You got the two old AFL rivals going there with the, you know, the Raiders trying to trying to win division this year. So yeah, there's a lot of great games this week. There really are, and uh, you know, it's it, it, it's going to be a fun last two weeks of the uh, of the NFL season as as we really get into that playoff mode. And as we mentioned before, you know, many of these teams are in playoff mode right now, fighting for their lives. So it should, should oh. be a fun weekend. Oh, totally. Um... I, of course, always keep my eye on the uh, Seattle Seahawks because uh, Pete Carroll, when he coached the Patriots, lived in my suburban town here outside Boston. I met him, uh, like him, and, you know, just find him very intriguing, good coach, nice guy, and, uh, you know, given what they did to the Saints last year, uh, watch out for that team, and... I got to take a moment here on the Bears. I, I, if I'm a Chicago Bears fan, I am out of my mind over how the coach and/or the front office handled this quarterback situation when Jay Cutler went down. I mean, that team was on a roll, and they fell off the face of the earth. When, to me, you know, I don't know if you blame Lovey or Jerry Angelo or who it is, but to let that team go from where they were. To what they've now become, which is, I think, they've lost 
five or six in a row. They're done. Well, yeah, well, um, five in a row, yes. Yeah, unforgivable. Unforgivable. Yeah. You know, they, they stuck with Caleb Haney too long. And I'm saying this because, obviously, they're making the switch to Josh McGowan for this Sunday night's game. Uh, we're down to our final minute or two. but So why don't you just give me your quick thoughts on, on my view of the Bears' debacle. Yeah, I think you're right. And I, I think, you know, they, they were playing real well when the season started. And, uh, you know, um, I, I think anybody who's who's reasonable would probably would probably realize that you know Caleb Haney is probably not going to be the answer, not going to be the guy to kind of to, to, to be where he needs to be. So they, they probably uh, you know should have should have acted a lot sooner. I mean, I know that David Garrard was available, and I'm sure there were some other guys they could have brought in. You know, Donovan McNabb. Donovan, yeah, there, there you go. You know, they, Chicago they, Chicago native, by the way. Yeah, I mean, I think he would have been a good fit. So yeah, they had, there were certainly that's a good point. And there's there are guys that could have brought in, you know, at least with that experience. You know, Donovan, you know, he, he may be done. He, you know, he's certainly seen his, his better days are, um, are obviously behind him, but I think he would have had enough experience and, you know, maybe the right mindset, you know, a veteran, uh, veteran view as a guy who's respected in the league. Um, that would have been a good fit. Yeah. So there were, there were, there were a lot of ways they could have gone and, and, and chose not to. And then now they're paying the price for it. So, you know, there's going to be a lot of, uh, I mean, a lot of uh, a lot of questions in Chicago after the season's over. I think I think you're right about that. Yes. Well, you know, my final thought before we close is simply that you know, hindsight's twenty twenty. But what we do now know is Donovan McNabb couldn't have done any worse than Owen five. Period. Yeah. So, correct. Um, you know, so I, I think the Bears may just handle this just horribly. And if I'm a Bears fan, I am, like, uh, apoplectic over it. But with that said, uh, we're at the end of our show. As always, thank you for listening to All Around Sports, and have a great holiday weekend, everybody. And, Barry, I want to thank you, and we look forward to doing it all again next Friday at 1 p.m. Eastern Time. Thanks again for tuning in to All Around Sports with your host, John Inglesby. Be sure to tune in again next Friday at 10 a.m. Pacific Time, 1 p.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Sports Channel. Have a terrific weekend, and we'll talk sports again next week. Thanks again for listening to the preceding program brought to you on the Voice America Sports Channel. For more information about our network and to check out additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit voiceamericasports.com. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. 